Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Consequence Uncut, a series that gives listeners and readers a deeper dive into our features with major artists. For this episode, we talk to legendary producer and music industry executive and mogul Jimmy Iovine. The reason why I wanted to make the documentary originally was that Alan Hughes, the director, said this is a story about, about you and Dre and your relationship and your partnership. And my question to anyone uh, is, why aren't there a lot of companies run by a white and a black guy that come together because you you come from different cultures and different and, and you really bring a lot to it from different places. I am Mijan Zulu, lead producer of Consequence Podcasts. I am Paolo Ragusa, associate editor at Consequence. So, Paolo, welcome back to Consequence Uncut. It's so good to see you back here. You're basically, I mean, you basically kicked us off. So, like, now it's really, (laughs) really good to have you back that we're a living, breathing podcast. Yes. Thank you very much for having me, Mijan. It was great to get back doing more interviews for Consequence. And, uh, yeah, it was really just a pleasure to chat with Jimmy Iovine. He's been in the industry for so long. Uh, He's had so many amazing experiences. Uh, And we talk a lot about both the past and the future in this interview. So I'm very excited. To share. I know. And Jimmy is like, he's just one of those people that's always had his finger on the tip of what seems to be coming next. Like he's, he's such a beautiful example of marrying entertainment with technology. Like Beats headphones probably really changed the way that we listen to music. Definitely. He's always got this entrepreneurial sense to him. And it's clear in our conversation, especially because so many of his efforts these days are going towards education um, and really trying to create opportunities for the next generation. So, you know, he really is is so adamant about uh, sort of taking this final phase of his career and uh, really giving it to uh, others as a, a jumping I know, off point. like mentorship is so key. Like, I, I don't, I, I mean, there's so many rich people in this world. Like, it is actually kind of insane. And it's so beautiful to hear someone who's on his level of success really thinking about empowering people to really go towards the future, not just starting colleges, but also starting high schools and keeping his finger on a pulse to the type of learning that's really going to take us into the future. And, you know, speaking of being like finger on the pulse, he literally had tickets to the debut performance of U2 in the sphere, which happened this weekend. And our very own Mo was there. If no one knows, Mo uh, works on our video team. And Mo really came back being like, this is the future. Everyone needs to watch this. This is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah, it looked incredible. Of course, Jimmy got to go and got to experience that. Uh, it was great talking to him about uh, even his work with you 2 on Rattle and Hum, yeah. the sort of companion album, how that really led him to founding Interscope Records. Uh, it was also great chatting about artists of today as well as artists from his past. Um, you know, Jimmy's worked with 
Tom Petty, Bruce Springsteen, Stevie Nicks, all of these legends. But I wanted to hear who he was interested in now. And he named Kendrick Lamar, Billie Eilish, and even, of course, Olivia Rodrigo, who's on Interscope Records. He definitely likes her. But he also <laughs> named the band Turnstile as a band that he's really, really interested in today. And I loved that. I loved hearing that he's into Turnstile. But has he fully divested from Interscope? Because I felt like that was a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it felt like a little bit of a plug, but it was still great to hear just his thoughts on the way that he feels that fame has replaced great and that he's still on the hunt every day for a great artist, an artist that is going to be dedicated to their craft rather than dedicated to building an audience. Exactly. Because I mean, yes, people can still stay famous if after they're like a one hit wonder or they've, you know, become an internet sensation. But if you really want to be good at your craft, you have to keep working on it. You have to go and perform. Um, we, we, um, we're, we're going to have an interview with Sophie Lloyd um, posting soon on a brand new podcast that will be featured on Consequence. And, you know, Sophie's an example of someone who was like a YouTube TikTok star, but now is playing live with Machine Gun Kelly. Like you have to go and do the thing. And I think what he's also pointing to in terms of fame replacing great is this this sort of age of collaboration. Like if we think about, you know, some of the best like collabs that used to happen in the past, they were kind of a little rare, like Beyonce and Shakira or Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, When You Believe, like these things would happen so rarely. But now I think that like duets and collaboration are happening a lot more frequently. And it's almost like this, the way that... TikTok stars in the TikTok house are making videos together. Like artists are like, yeah, let's collab. We see this happening in rock all the time. Lizzie Hale is like guest starring on everything. Um, you know, I think that we're we're in for a time where artists are really understanding that when they work together and use their collective social clout, they can really, really do good things for one another. Yeah, Jimmy is he's, he may be you know, like I said, in a a later phase of his career, but he is still on the pulse and he's still paying attention. And this interview, I think, is a really nice, just kind of quick dive into uh, where he's at right now. Yeah. And a a really, really interesting point of view about AI. I think that he's, he's like the first person that I've heard really speak about AI in a practical sense and really just accepting that like we can use it in a good way and in a bad way. And that sometimes we're stuck in the, you know, the formulaic, really short TikTok-ishness of music right now. But at the same time, we can use it to make creativity a little bit easier as thought starters, as as ways to really kind of like, you know, kind of like toss the dice, right? Yeah, jumping off points. Yeah, but not replace creativity because mm-hmm. artistry is still important. Exactly feeling really strongly about that today. But Paolo, great job with this interview. I'm so glad that we get to share it with everyone. Me too. So you can check out this full article on Jimmy Iovine on Consequence.net. And please, please, please remember to like, review, subscribe to this podcast so that you can stay up to date and that even more people can find out about this awesome little bit of content that Consequence is sharing with the world. So now I'll turn it over to Paolo and Jimmy for this interview. Please enjoy. So what's going through Jimmy Iovine's brain today? What I'm really doing, I, you know, I stopped working in the music business about five years ago. Yeah. What I'm doing is I'm helping some family and friends with businesses. And uh, Dre and I are building uh, high schools. And we're building public high schools. And uh, we have three. We have one in L.A., one coming in Atlanta, and another coming in Miami. Wonderful. 
Uh, we heard that your docu-series, the Defiant Ones, the docu-series that highlighted yours and Dre's journey to creating beats and yours kind of subsequent journeys in the music world. It's now streaming on Hulu, meaning it is has an even wider range of sort of potential for people to get involved. But it did come out six years ago. But since it's kind of taking a second win now due to hip hop's 50th anniversary, what was it like kind of maybe thinking about that docu-series now six years from removed from it? What was it like at least watching it for the first time and seeing your journey depicted on screen like that well you see what i think about when i think about that that documentary i don't think about it in terms of music i think about it in terms of life and inspiration and okay. it would this it's a story about a white and a black guy that come together and stick together under any under all diversity and every problem that you could possibly have and they stay together the idea is uh, it's more about inspiration and, and, and persistence. So you can apply that to any business. I mean, I've gotten letters and emails from people in the real estate business. I got doctors that have uh, many doctors under them and, you know, different, different people from all different walks of life saying that the documentary inspired them to push on and get it done, right? And so the reason why I wanted to make the documentary originally was that Alan Hughes, the director, said, this is a story about, about you and Dre and your relationship and your partnership. And my question to anyone uh, is, why aren't there a lot of companies run by a white and a black guy that come together because you, you come from different cultures and, different, and you really bring a lot to it from different places? I don't know if there's ever been a company run in America by a white and a black guy or started to where, you know, it was as big as beats. And, you know, that, that maybe there's something there. You know, I hope there's something there. I think that I think that we, it would inspire people to form different types of partnerships that I don't see enough of. I love that. I think that that really speaks to the heart of collaboration is that regardless of the backgrounds, you know, you come together for a common goal. I think that that's so beautiful. I, I'm curious to hear, because this is covered a little bit in the documentary, but since, you know, we did have such a big celebration, not just our publication, but uh, dozens of publications, so many people have been celebrating the 50th anniversary of hip hop this year. And I just love to take a trip back to when you first heard hip hop for the first time, you know, what was going through your brain? What was what was the song, if you remember it, or the album or the artist? Um, and tell me about, yeah, your initial relationship to hip hop and how that maybe transformed over the years, especially when meeting Dre and, uh, of course, starting. Well, in, the, in the 80s, in the 80s, I was producing rock and roll. Mm -hmm. I was a record producer. It was before Interscope. Interscope started around 1990, 91. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was listening to hip hop. I wasn't listening to hip hop, but hip hop was on the periphery to me. It wasn't part of my life, you mm -hmm. know? Um, I was forgetting, I remember Public Enemy opened for you too when I was doing Rattle and Hum. Mm -hmm. And I met Chuck D and a bunch of guys and they, it was cool, you know? And I, I thought what they doing was, what I, I didn't think it applied to me what I was doing, right? We did a remix for you two of the song Desire. You know, we sort of played in that area a little bit, but it wasn't in my life. It's not until I met Dre, it hit me like, uh, I, I don't ever claim to be a pioneer in hip hop. I, I, I wasn't. I learned hip hop from Dr. Dre. I learned the aesthetic of it. I learned the importance of it. So it hit me when, when I heard it, I understood it when I heard it through the lens of Dr. Dre. He, his production 
is was light years above anyone else's production at the time. And so I was able to grasp it more. And I believe Dr. Dre's production and that album, The Chronic, is why it spread so massively outside of America. I think he made it sonically and spiritually just palatable for everybody around the world. And that's why at Interscope, we just fought to make sure that everyone in the world heard this as clearly as we did. I love that. Wonderful. And it certainly has. I think that that's been such a big album that, you know, we've been kind of coming back to over and over again as such a landmark moment. Um, I actually want to go back to something that you you addressed earlier, talking about Rattle and Hum. Uh, the reason I bring this up is we just did, uh, our publication just did a list of the 25 most essential concert films. Um, and I know that you had worked on the the like companion record to that film. Um, and I just would love to hear about the process of working with you two. And, you know, especially it was a pretty ambitious kind of hybrid approach that they were taking doing this, you know, simultaneous concert music documentary, as well as a live album with new songs on it. So yeah, talk to me about Rattle and Hum. Well, it was a really hard record to make. We, we, we recorded 18 shows from the, you know, I think it was from the Joshua Tree tour, I believe. Yeah. So that's a lot of shows. And then we had to come back and make a studio and the live album. And somehow they had to sound like they came in the same bus together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was very, very difficult. It's a lot harder than it sounds. So that was production and it was like really technical on how to do that and get it to sound like they were compatible then you know you have uh you two they it's very 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 it's almost physical making a record with an album with you two it's really a, a lot of work and they experiment and they push the boundaries and they're always pushing you know so to do that alongside a movie and an album and a live album was a lot of work. Actually, I always tease, and maybe it's not teasing, that that album is the father of Interscope because I just realized I'm not producing records anymore. <laughs> you know, and, and, I started Interscope, <laughs> and, I, and I started Interscope, uh, as, as, as Bono would say, he killed me on that album. He was wow. right. So I started Interscope. A lot of it had to do with that. I just said, I, I, this is not for me. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> Interesting. I love that you kind of spoke to the challenge of that. Kind of similarly, have you seen uh, any footage of their their new uh, MSG Sphere Las Vegas show, what that venue no, looks like? That no, but I'm going to opening night. I think that uh, I saw a demo of the actual effects that they do there, not of YouTube, but in general, the Sphere. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I think that uh, U2 is the right band to have opening it. And I'm excited to go to opening night. And uh, I think I, I think if it's if it's anything like what I saw, and I got a feeling it's going to be better than what I saw. No one's ever seen a concert like this. It's uh, oh. it's that it's that unique. Really, oh. I don't I don't own the sphere. I got nothing to do with the sphere. But what they put together there is pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. We saw some preliminary videos of it, and it looks like it's, yeah, truly next level. Um, and that really speaks also, you know, especially with with your work, it really speaks to the heart of, you know, intersection between technology, uh, creativity, and the arts. And that's the next thing I actually want to ask you about. Uh, obviously, you have your your program at USC, the uh, Ivy Young 
program. I'm curious, you know, as a relatively young person, if I was a high school senior and a prospective applicant for the Ivan Young program, what's one thing that you would want me to know about this program? That siloed learning, in my opinion, is over. And interdisciplinary learning, actual collaborative innovation is what's needed in the workplace today. And no one's being trained for that aspect of it. They're all coming up as engineers, as designers, but they never work together before they get a job. And what's going on in, the, in our schools, we, we have this for 12 years, this curriculum now. Now you're starting to see other people start to do, try to copy, not copy, I think, but do this, 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 this type of uh, uh, learning. I think we're really ahead of the curve. I think we have by far the best, if not one of the only programs like that. And um, I think they're starting one in England now. I hear MIT may start one. But I, I, I think it's the only way to learn for the job for the companies that I've been to, whether it's, whether it's Google or Apple mm. or Amazon or, or medicine. Uh, you have to understand where these, where these disciplines cross in order to collaborate. You know, uh, USC went and tested this research with 30 of the biggest corporations in the world about what they want from their graduates. And what came back number one was um, collaborative innovation. And no kidding, you know? So Dre and I saw that at Beats, we saw it at Apple, and we said, look, this, this, this needs to be an education. So we put up the money and we started a school at USC. And uh, now it's, uh, it's the top of the field in that area. And uh, I think it's going to spread like wildfire. We, we just started three high schools just with the same curriculum. Because we believe if you start in high school, it's even better. We're starting in the inner city. And we're starting in the inner city because, with public schools because we want to be able to scale it. Uh-huh. You can't scale a charter school. You can't scale a private school. I mean, scale, scale. right? Yeah. The way we like to scale things. And the kids in the inner city have a great when I when we had beach, man, I used to get all the kids from the inner city would come up and I found them to have superpowers in this area. The mixing of technology, design and feel and taste. And it was um, natural. It was really, really incredible. And I looked to them for a lot of, you know, the answers that I was looking for, you know. So I think we're doing something really special in the high schools and it really feels good. So um, keeping my fingers crossed, I hope we can achieve the same success we had at the university level. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I want to kind of, I know you you mentioned that you left the music industry a little bit ago, but I am very curious to hear your thoughts. This is probably a question you're getting all the time right now. What are your thoughts on the use of AI and songwriting and production? I have my opinion of this Mm-hmm. is AI, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I think AI is going to be massive in songwriting on many levels. One, a very basic level, if somebody is stuck and you want to experiment and get an idea. Two, 
since not everyone, but too many people today are making records for TikTok. So what they're doing, they used to make records for radio, but now it's double band. That's why all these pop records sound exactly the same. So if you're making records like that and making records on this formula, I believe if that's what's going on, I'm not saying that's great, but it exists. Therefore, I believe that AI, you're going to start seeing some big hit. I didn't say great. I said big hit records (laughs) being written on AI. Because they're following formulas. See, what happened in music is fame has replaced great. It's happened in society, basically. Fame has replaced great. So because artists are making so much money in so many different places, which is fantastic, but after they have a hit record and, and can earn a lot of money on Instagram and all this stuff, I feel that a lot of people, a lot of artists, not all, but a lot of artists, are taking their foot off the gas in the record-making category. And that's affecting the quality of the work. And I think you're seeing that in a lot of different genres right now. There's always great artists that come along, you know, Billie Eilish, Kendrick Lamar. You know, there are not that there aren't great artists out there, you know. It's just that you're seeing a lot more of the other thing. Fame has replaced great to a certain extent. Definitely. I like that you, you know, you kind of made the distinction between like the record making business and, and making necessarily just hit records. I think that that is definitely like today a big distinction. And I'm curious, you know, a lot of people have been talking about, oh, the role of the album has diminished. You know, people are so single forward and, and labels are really promoting, you know, release a few singles and a string rather than a body of work. Do you feel that that's even like a valid thing to talk about? It's a valid thing only because of attention span. Yeah. you People's attention span are literally changing, right? So yeah. if, it's, if entertainment has some sort of basis with dopamine, you know what I mean? And, <laughs> and you're getting that hit constantly for a minute or 30 seconds or a minute and a half. I mean, you got to worry about a whole song getting through, let alone an album. Yeah, It doesn't mean that people aren't making great albums, but you do have to admit and look at the general population attention spans have really uh, are changing and morphing. Do I fully understand it? No, but I do understand why people are saying that the album, you know, people are, that's a body of work from an artist, how it gets put out there one song at a time or two songs or one minute clips. I don't know, but artists are allowed to make a body of work as they should, you know, but do I think people are sitting in their room listening to an entire album? And only doing that? I I don't know. Not in this house. (laughs) (laughs) You know, know, even on the artist kind of angle, you know, I think obviously there's the the business side, but a lot of artists these days have been very vocal about the difficulties of having to maintain a presence on TikTok in order to be a successful artist. You know, it's become another pillar of kind of garden. That's fine. That's all fine. As long as you're making great work. Yeah. (laughs) All the artists that made great and classic records, anyone from The Chronic to Radiohead to Taylor Swift, right? They put the time into the album and the craft, right? Mm -hmm. So if something's taking away from that, again, 
you're getting, you, you, it's going to affect the product. Yeah. It just is. And that's going to affect a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? So, so it's, uh, it, yes. Whether somebody, how you market yourself is, is great. I don't, I, it, it'll always change. There'll be something new in five years from now. But if you're focused on making money and doing that and taking you away from the actual creation of the record, you should check that a little bit and make sure you put more time into your music. Because what you're seeing now is as soon as somebody becomes famous, they can sustain just based on fame. Mm-hmm. And that's why I said fame is replaced great. And I think sooner or later, somebody's going to have to pay the bill on that. I'm not quite sure who that is or what that is. And I'm, I have no idea. But there's no question in my mind that that has ab- absolutely happened. You mentioned, obviously, enjoying uh, Kendrick Lamar and, and uh, Billie Eilish as these very singular artists. Are there any artists these days that are catching, catching your attention and uh, just making you very inspired creatively yourself? I think Olivier Rodrigo on uh, Interscope has mm-hmm. done a great job on this new album. I think that group Turnstile <sighs> is a rock band that's doing really good. good yeah. I, like, I like Inhaler, which is Bono's son's group. Yeah. They're really good. I like Lil Yachty. I like think he made a great album last he time. Did. This you know, year. I think he made I think he made a great album. I really like that. I like this guy Playboy Cardi. I like that what he's doing. But you know, I'm still, you know, I'm not I'm not that deep into it, you know. Yeah. But uh yeah. I, I, I mean, that. you know, I'm I, I, I don't spend a lot of time listening to new music to be honest. Yeah. But when I hear it come across, I check it out, you know. I love that. I just love imagining you in the mosh pit to turnstile in 2023 <laughs> well i could they caught my attention i like them you know what i mean i like yeah. what they're doing i think they got the right spirit and the right attitude mm-hmm. i like the whole avenue of e-commerce and what's a video combined here with that that's why i'm interested in that company network i think that they're doing some really good things there. i'm involved in it for full disclosure I'm into I'm into cultural things. Like, you know, my wife has a company called Flippers Roller Boogie Palace, right? Which is sort of like a culture company around roller skating. I find that unique. And Usher's her partner, you know, and uh, I find that what they're doing to be really interesting, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'm playing around and trying to marry me. I marry music, whatever I can with things mm-hmm. that I'm doing, but I'm not in the music business. And um, that's just, I, I did that, you know? Yeah. Already completed, checked it off. I love that. What's something people might not know about Jimmy Iovine? I'm learning. What I'm learning how to do right now, I think people might be interested in their own life, especially anybody near my age, is I'm learning how to transform as, as you age and trying to understand the obsessiveness and the passion and all those things that go together that make you successful. I'm learning how to live life alongside of that. When I was working, and that's what you'll see in a documentary, it was all about that. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm learning. I think I think it's very healthy in people's lives to learn how to do, to manage that. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. You know, that's why the, the documentary is interesting because, you know, I still help Dre. I work with Dre. I talk to Dre every day, you know, on different things. You know, we're doing a, we're doing a project together that's going to come out. There's two projects, actually, that are really special. And like a lot of a lot of people I know, they can't pull away. Mm-hmm. And then you stay too long at the party 
And as Dre would say to me a long time ago, he said, Jimmy, you don't want to be the old guy at the club. <laughs> and what I think about life is accept your age, be as healthy as you can, but don't try to be the 40-year-old that you were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's that's cool. But, you know, I just that well, that's for me. You know, I just I help a lot of young people every day. I try to give them the things that I learned and information. But basically, I'm just trying to figure out because I gave it up. I walked away from Apple Music and Interscope and all those and beats. You know, I just left it behind because I did it. I felt that I did it really well. I was satisfied with it. And now I'm just doing a lot of creative things and, and living life and, and uh, accepting that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. That may be something that people think that, you know, like when you see the documentary that I'm this lunatic worker. Well, I was, you know what I mean? And now I try to uh, control the obsession. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that you just started that with I'm learning. I mean, I think that that's just so beautiful. Like, you know, out of all of the stuff that you've learned throughout this really extensive career, there's still so much to learn about, you know, not just work, but how to live and uh, how to live outside of work. You've got to accept things, man. I, a, a lot of my friends don't accept that. They think they just want to keep, they miss the badge. Mm-hmm. They miss the, you know, uh, the, the phone calls or whatever the hell it is, you know? Uh, like I said to one day I was... Um, I was watching Springsteen in Italy and it was incredible, 80,000 people. And it was right about when I was going to retire. And I, I said to him, you know, I'm thinking about quitting. He goes, why are you thinking about quitting? I said, well, you know, if, look, if I was an artist and I was going on stage every night and and they were yelling, they, they, I see them yelling, Bruce, if they were yelling, Jimmy, I'm not sure I'd quit either. You know, that's a, that sounds like a lot of fun. I said, what I do every day I don't want to keep doing. I talk to a lot of aggravating motherfuckers. And, you know, I, I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm retiring from that. That's a young man's sport. Yeah. <laughs> and not only that, you know what you have to accept in life? You have to accept that when you pull back a little bit, like, Maybe there's one person in their 80s or 90s that could be as effective and is on and in it as somebody who's 40 or even 50. But uh, I don't want to be that person. I want to experiment. I want to do a lot of things. I want to help people. But everything I'm involved has great CEOs in it. I'm not the CEO. The hook is not in my mouth. (laughs) I spit out that hook. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.